0: I've already been blessed richly tonight. I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm just so filled with the love of my Lord, and uh, I'm loving this fellowship with you guys. And you're all welcome here tonight. And I'm just glad to have you here. And uh, we're gonna have a great weekend uh, of fellowship and loving one another, loving the Lord. Gonna have a great time. I know you're gonna have a great ride. I'm not a but I know you guys are going to have a great ride tomorrow. And uh, it's all about uh, Jesus this weekend. That's what it's really all about here. So uh, I want to welcome you all. Uh, and maybe we ought to open with a word of prayer here. Just a little quick one. Um, Heavenly Father, You're such a loving, <clears throat> living, Giving, forgiving God, so worthy of our praise. And I just thank You for revealing Yourself to us, and that's something we're going to look at tonight, God. And so I just ask You to anoint this weekend, Lord, uh, be with each and every one of us, keep all of us safe in our travels this weekend, and uh, let us keep our focus on You. And we give You the praise and the love and honor and the glory and the worship that You deserve so richly, God. So um, we just ask these things in Jesus' holy name. In case you're wondering why I'm talking so slowly... It's because I only have 17 minutes worth of material, and Greg asked me to talk for 25 minutes. 30 minutes? 35? Okay, Greg. (laughs) Well, um, I want to share something with you guys. Uh, that has been in my files for 30 years and it's just a funny little letter. I put it on Facebook a couple months ago and, and, uh, I thought it might be fun to, uh, uh, share it with you this evening. It's called The Letter to the Insurance Company and, uh, it's a fella who's a ham radio operator and my sympathies go with the man because as you can see, this is my call sign, and it's on my license plate, too, on the ham radio operator. So it's such a touching story. Here it goes. It's a letter to the insurance company. I am writing in response to your request for additional information. In block number three of the accident report form, I put poor timing as the cause of the accident. You said in your letter that I should explain more fully, and I trust that the following detail will be sufficient. I am an amateur radio operator. On the day of the accident, I was working alone on the top section of my new 80-foot antenna tower. When I had completed my work, I discovered that I had, over the course of several trips up the tower, brought up about 300 pounds of tools and spare hardware. Rather than carry the now unneeded tools and material down by hand, I decided to lower the items in a small barrel by using a pulley, which fortunately was attached to the gin pole at the top of the tower. Securing the rope at ground level, I went back up to the top of the tower and loaded the tools and materials into the barrel. Then I went back down to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 300 pound barrel of tools. You will notice in block 11 that I weigh 155 pounds. (laughs) Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a fairly rapid rate up the side of the tower. At approximately the 40 foot level, I met the barrel coming down. (laughs) This explains my fractured skull and broken collarbone. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid descent, or ascent (laughs) up the, up the, uh, tower, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of the pain. At the same time, however, the barrel hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. (laughs) Hey, man, even reading it aloud, it's funny. I love it. Devoid of the weight of the tools, the barrel now weighed 20 pounds. I refer you again to my weight in block 11. (laughs) As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the tower. In the vicinity of the 40-foot level, I met the barrel going up. (laughs) This accounts for my two fractured ankles and the lacerations of my legs and lower body. The encounter with the barrel slowed me down enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of tools. And fortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. I am sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the tools, in pain, unable to stand, and watching the empty barrel 80 feet above me, I lost my presence of mind and let go of the barrel. I love it. I love it. Well, our theme for this weekend is called How to Be All Things to All People. And this theme comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 19 to 27. But for the sake of helping us to uh, understand the context of what Paul is writing, please bear with me as I read from the beginning of the chapter. I'm going to read verses 1 through 23 with emphasis in my study on verses 19 to 23. And I like the clarity of the New Living Translation where the meaning of the original Greek is more easily understood in today's English. And so that the... Uh, in, so that is the translation from which I'll be reading. And you can follow along in your own Bible if you like. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 1-23. through 23. Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. This is my answer to those who question my authority. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a Christian wife with us as the other apostles and the Lord's brothers do and as Peter does? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion? Or does the law say the same thing? For the law of Moses says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when He said this? Wasn't He actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, Shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? But we've never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yet I have never used any of these rights. And I'm not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I don't preach the good news. If I were doing this of my own initiative, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice. For God has given me this sacred trust. What then is my pay? It is the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. That is why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. Even though I am a free man... With no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject (coughs) to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessings. So, that uh, verse 22, Paul says, I try to find common ground with everyone. In the New Living Translation, that's the way they translated it. However, in the New American Standard Bible and in the New International Bible, it is translated, I have become all things to all men. And it is from those words of Paul that the Romans rally has derived its theme, how to be all things to all people. But another, perhaps more appropriate way of stating the same thing might be, I try to find common ground with everyone in every culture. To me, that means more to us today uh, than the other translations. And I'm not being too liberal in my translation of that. It's what Paul means to say there. And that I try to find common ground with everyone in every culture just has, for me, more meaning. So as we study this portion of Scripture, we're going to discover some similarities between Paul and our Lord Jesus that we can apply in our own ministries and in our own daily life, our own Christian walk. Uh, in first Corinthians, Paul, in First Corinthians, Paul is basically saying that because he's an apostle with the same authority as the original apostles, he has certain rights. And as a preacher of the good news, he has certain rights. But rather than use his position to have others feed and board him, he chooses to earn his living with labor like everyone else. And in addition to all that, he also preaches the gospel at no charge. Because as it says in verse 16, he is compelled by God to do it. And when he says he's compelled by God to do it, he's referring to the story of his con- conversion as it's uh, recorded in Acts chapter 9, verses 1. 1- to 31, and we're not going to read those. But uh, to summarize it, Paul is on the road to Damascus, and at that time he's called Saul. When, uh, and he has been the most vicious persecutor of Christians recorded in the book of Acts. He was the most vile, driven, purpose-driven, if you will, persecutor of uh, the new Christian church. And so, he's on the road to Damascus, there where he was going to do some more persecuting. And Jesus comes to him in a flash of heavenly light. And he says, Saul, which is the name he was going by then, why are you persecuting me? And course what follows is that Jesus instructed him to, told him that he was going to suffer for Jesus as he delivers the word of God, spreads the gospel message throughout the Mediterranean area and uh, do it in such a powerful way that it will overcome the viciousness of the Roman Empire through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what happened. That's why we are here today, praise the Lord. So that's why Paul was compelled, that's why he said he was compelled to uh, preach the Word without charge because God told him to. So back again into uh, 1 Corinthians 9 and verses 19 through 23, Paul explains how he managed to sort of blend in with whatever group he's trying to minister and witness. And blending in is the title of my message this evening. Uh, When Paul was with the Jews, he would worship with them in the temple or synagogue. He would eat their food and work alongside them, earning his keep. And when he was with the Gentiles, he did the same thing as long as he didn't have to participate in pagan worship and rituals. He still worked with them, ate with them, even ate food that was forbidden for Jews to eat, uh, lived like a Gentile in their community. And so when he was with the weak, he shared in their weakness. All of this so that he had an opportunity to witness to them, and to perhaps bring some of them to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Paul blended in with the people and their culture. Paul blended in with the people and their culture. Isn't that what Jesus, God, God in a bod, don't know if you ever heard that term uh, i heard it first in about 1976 in a bible study back when it was when bod was a cool word to say <laughs> anyway god in a bod that's what jesus was let's look at uh, luke chapter 5 verses 27 to 32 again this is going to be in the uh, new living translation luke 5 27 to 32 Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, Why do you eat and drink with such scum? And Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. those arrogant, self-righteous Pharisees thought so highly of their own supposed holiness. They wouldn't have been caught dead eating with the likes of Levi, who would later be called Matthew, uh, and his friends. You can bet Jesus knew of the sin of the Pharisees, their arrogance, when he implied as much in his response to them. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Pharisees wore these really elaborate, expensive, flowing gowns, robes, and fancy hats, whatever they're called, dressed not like the folks. They isolated themselves from the people. And it's actually the people who gave offerings to the temple that funded their lavish lifestyle. And they didn't have the humility to... Stoop, if you will, to mingle with the folks. (laughs) Somebody else did. The real, true, holy one. He stooped low to mingle with the folks. Now, today there is a parallel, I guess you might say, to the Pharisees. And I love my brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church. But whenever I see something about the Pharisees in the Bible, my parallel in today's world is the Pope. And I know you've seen this man in his golden, laden, flowing robe and the big mitre that he wears, this, this uh, probably ten or $20,000 outfit that he wears. And he stays in St. Paul's Cathedral most of the time, very isolated from the people who give their offerings and support him financially. And uh, I just, that pops into my head whenever I read about the Pharisees. It still is happening. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? The Pharisees, the Pope, they're just sinners like you and me. They're nothing special before God, they're just like you and me. Yet Jesus, the only sinless, perfect man who ever lived, lowered himself to the level of Levi, also a sinner just like you and me. In fact, Jesus spent his entire earthly ministry serving the needs of sinners, healing, feeding, raising from the dead. Preaching the good news that God loves us in spite of our sinful nature. Uh, Let's look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 9 for a moment. This time I'm going to read it in the English Standard Version. Uh, That's Hebrews 2, 5 through 9, if you're following in your own Bible. For was it not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking? who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God He might taste death for everyone. Here we see that God has made Jesus, the Son of Man, a little lower than the angels for a little while. That is for the time that He ministered uh, um, here among the Jews in Israel. He became a man, just one of the guys, a human being, which as Isaiah said, made him Emmanuel, God with us. Get this. God stepped out of eternity, out of perfect existence, and entered the time and space that He Himself created. And He came to earth as this man, Jesus. And He did this out of His immeasurable love for us, whom He created in His own image. (laughs) What an awesome gesture. What amazing love He has for us. I'm just this insignificant little sinner, and He's... He still loves me and He loves you. And I'm just awestruck by His amazing grace, grace that I don't deserve. And speaking of stepping out of eternity, can we have the first slide? And I don't know if you're going to be able to see it very well. We might turn some lights off. Ah, you can see it. It's hard to tell, but there's a little pale blue dot right there. Anybody take a stab at what it is? Yeah? Yep. From, Can you see it over there? The little blue dot? That photograph is a composite of hundreds, possibly a thousand or more images taken by the Voyager spacecraft from 3.7 billion miles from Earth. This afternoon, I calculated how long it takes the light. That takes eight minutes, I think it was, for the light to travel from the sun to Earth. Then it gets reflected off of Earth, and here's Voyager, 3.7 billion miles away, and it takes five and a half hours for the light to get to the Voyager spacecraft. So, this imagine yourself now. You're in a spacesuit with the little jets so you can control your movements. And you're hanging there next to the Voyager spacecraft. Okay? And you're looking back at that pale blue dot right up there. Awesome, amazing. Um, do you think there's life on some other planet someplace else in the universe on another planet very similar to this one, perhaps Anybody think there is? I don't either. I don't either. Uh, we can, oh yeah, I, we should do this. We're in our spacesuit. And, oh, by the way, science, scientists today, and for the last 2,000 years, have been trying to figure out what the meaning of life is and how all of this started. And they do it with mathematics and physics, and uh, empirical measurements and tests. And they think that in their brains they can figure out the meaning of life, what we're all doing here, and they don't need God to do it. They can do it themselves. And they would bet a paycheck that there's another planet, at least one in probably 20, 50, 100, 1,000, out in the universe. I don't believe that. What I think God did when He made heaven and earth is He wanted to dazzle us. So if we're out here in our little spacesuit and we're looking back at planet earth, I want to turn around now and look at What, where the Voyager is going, where it's headed. God is up there saying, Hello! I'm here! It's me. I did this. I did this. God is saying that. It's by the power of His will. God said, let there be light. Look what He did just by thinking... Let there be light. He got my attention. I hate getting old. and I'm paying the price. But, it's better than the alternative. (laughs) Way back in the time of creation, in Genesis 1.27, Moses writes, so God created man in His own image. In His own image He created him. Male and female He created him. Now, He said the same thing three different ways right there. And any time the Bible says something, repeats it two or three times, that's an indication that it's something God wants us to understand is very, very important. You and I are made in the image of God. And what I think is that God made the entire spectacle out there for us to discover and wonder at so that we would search for the real meaning of life. And that's what those scientists were doing. But God has revealed Himself to us in that natural world above us and around us and in all exist. Because when He reveals Himself to us in such spectacular fashion, we can only be awestruck by His creative power he did all of that just for you and me. And I don't think there's another soul off the face of this earth on some planet out there. He did that. Every every bit of it for you and me. And so God became man. And He blended in with the Israelite community in which he was ministering. I'll say it again. God became man and blended in with the Israelite community. And I think that's what Paul is saying that he did too. In 1 Corinthians 9, what better models could you and I have than Paul and Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? Uh, we're going to take a brief break here in in my message because uh, Greg wants to introduce uh, Lori. And then I have a few. It's obvious you guys already know how to blend in wherever you are. So I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here a little bit. Uh, But what I admire about the... Church of the Nazarene is their missionary arm. They uh, they have some one of the most effective missionary ministries in the world, and they you know we have missionaries here all the time, and they have shared with us how they become missionaries and and before they can go to these foreign countries they have to learn the language and that's part of blending in of course and and blending in isn't uh, you're not James Bond you know going into a society somewhere to spy on them you're you you don't have to wear a suit that looks like the suit they're wearing um, Those some of the missionaries go to, are, are in uh, Ukraine and they, they have opened these, uh, coffee houses there. And they're just places where the locals can go to, uh, have a cup of coffee, listen to some music, chat with friends. And, and the missionaries run these coffee houses and they're not every hour on the hour coming into this coffee house and saying, repent! You know, and preaching to them. They're not preaching to them. These guys just go into these countries and live their life of faith in Jesus Christ. And in that faith, there's a light that people who don't know the Lord see in us. And it's attractive. And it's not about, I, I sort of made up this idea of uh, telling you, uh, you know what a, uh, Harvard preppy is? Did you ever see, um Ryan O'Neill in Love Story? Crew cut, uh, dockers and shiny shoes, white shirt and tie and, uh, Cardigan sweater. Well, let's just imagine uh, the Lord calls our Christian Harvard yuppie to minister to the biker community. What's he going to do? Does he have to give up his cardigan sweater and his white tie? I don't think so. I think you'd accept him. He didn't. He wouldn't need the tattoos and the the Levi's and the patch jackets and all of that. That's not the kind of blending in that Jesus and Paul did. They just lived their lives as servants just the way they are. God loves you and He loves me just the way we are. We don't have to do anything to change the way we look to fit in. Uh, Imagine a white guy like me going to the Philippines or Africa. I'm not going to be able to sneak in and become one of them. Okay? It's not about how you look. It's about what you do, how you live your life for Christ. It's attractive. It's a beautiful thing because it comes from Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Okay, that's what does it. Lori, what a beautiful ministry you have. Where'd you go? <laughs> there you are. I love it, Lori, and you are, you know, a source of the light of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I thank Jesus for you. I thank my Lord for you. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, We're going to have a song of invitation. Again, I think I'm preaching to the choir, but you never know when there's somebody who might have come in this evening who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They don't perhaps understand the kind of love that the Creator of everything has, God, that uh, He's our Heavenly Father and if you're a parent, you know about love for your children. It's unconditional love. No matter what they do, you can't stop loving them. But, I and I have three sons, and if one of my sons rejected my love, didn't want to have anything to do with me, it would crush my soul. And that's the kind of love that God has for us. He's our Heavenly Father, and... When we reject Him, it really crushes His soul. And that really... (laughs) We only have this life, one life, to get it right with our Lord, to accept Him. And so we never know when this life is going to end. So there's no time like the present if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now is the time today. You never know what's going to happen. So we've got uh, I Surrender All.